And we welcome you to the post-all-in edition of This Is Wrestling. It is Lieber Sage, Zach freaking McGibbon. Zach, how are you? It was great to see you and a lot of different people yesterday. And even better, got to watch a pay-per-view. How are you? Doing pretty good, Lee. Yeah, this, that was a lot of fun yesterday. Uh, it was really cool to uh, chat with a bunch of people. Some people I haven't met before. And uh, out on uh, Ben's uh, poolside area with a TV in front, being able to watch the All-In pay-per-view yesterday. Uh, very different to watch a pay-per-view at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, especially in AEW one. Uh, so it was quite a nice change of pace. And uh, yeah, I had a real great time uh, being out with you guys uh, yesterday. Well, when you have the combination of a beautiful day, a pool, a hot tub, Mexican corn, wings, burgers, nachos, dip, hot sauce challenges, Zach, it doesn't get much better than that. A lot going on yesterday with the all-in pay-per-view. And you know what? I have to admit, I have to give you some credit. You know what, Zach? You took some yesterday. You took some, and you know, well deserved. I just wanted to say that no, uh, <laughs> but but held your own, came back. Not every comeback was awful, so I, I feel like that was really good. <laughs> yeah, Le Champion was uh, really laying it in. Some uh, stiff shots yesterday. He was, but you he know was what? Really laying it in. But but he, you know what? We might have to discuss coming up with a tournament for a new Le Champion <laughs> because a couple of. Uh, a couple of missteps from Le Champion yesterday. Especially one with the Golden Lovers. Yes. Couple of big missteps from Le Champion. Might put him might put his title in jeopardy. That's all I'll say. Uh, but it was fantastic to see everybody uh yesterday and all in pay-per-view. We'll discuss. Uh, I know you have a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts, Zach. And that's what the podcast is for to basically listen to my thoughts and then come up with a couple of your own. Um, but we will discuss all in, we will, uh, preview all out, which incredibly is next week. And before we do though, uh, we got off, we finished recording and I just want to make sure that people know this. So, uh, you and I both had very long days Thursday and it was our second episode of the week. And at that point, uh, Terry Funk had passed away. We hadn't done an all in preview. And we did another long episode, and I believe we concluded, give or take, about 6 o'clock in the evening on Thursday. Yep. And uh, literally put the phone down, ended up going out for the evening, and as, you know, most reasonable adults try and do, we try and put our phone away for, you know, a small amount of time when we're actually out. And I did that, but I picked it up to look something up. And all of a sudden found out the news, the very unfortunate news that Bray Wyatt had passed away, Wyndham Rotunda. And uh, it literally happened. The news come through, you know, moments after we finished recording. And so I do apologize that we haven't kind of dug into that a little bit more and, and got right on that. But I just want people to know the timing of everything. Uh, and so... We'll speak a little bit about Wyndham Rotunda right now. This is a guy, Zach, that look, we've we've criticized, we've praised, we've, you know, I, I think one of the things when I think about Bray Wyatt 
I think about uh, a guy that was very hit, not hit or miss, because I know that psychologically, and you know, he loved the psychology of, of matches and, and people saying a brilliant mind and some of the things that, that he loved to do, but he was polarizing. There were some ideas I think that were really good, some ideas that were not so good, uh, certainly by the company and by him. But this was this was a unique guy, and I actually very much appreciated listening to Cody Rhodes on Friday Night SmackDown talk about the fact that Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, in their own way, were cowboys. They were they were trailblazers. They were unlike anybody else that had come along. We went in depth on Terry Funk the other day, and boy, you could say the same thing about Bray Wyatt. He was a unique guy, and there was nobody else like him. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's it's uh, in the case of Bray Wyatt, uh, I I think back to his early run as sort of that cult leader type with the Wyatt family, uh, kind of molding that in NXT and bringing it that that gimmick to the main roster in the first couple of years. I thought that to me is my personal favorite version of Bray Wyatt, um, uh, and he had some of his better matches during that era as well. Uh, this is a guy, as you mentioned, he was not afraid to push the creative boundaries on where it can go. Uh, and you know what? And in, in that sort of company where uh, a wrestler kind of sits backstage and is thinking, what does creative have for me? Bray turned it on its head and said, I'm going to give something for creative. Um, and was able to create these characters that, uh, again, push the boundaries of, of creativity for professional wrestling that I think he was able to cultivate a fan base for and was able to reinvent himself uh, afterwards with The Fiend. I will always remember uh, when I was in Toronto for SummerSlam 2019 and seeing that entrance for the first time as The Fiend and hearing the crowd just be in awe and gasping at uh, the spectacle that was the entrance for Bray Wyatt. Uh, So I I think back to that. I, I think back to the Wyatt family run. And, you know, I've, I've gone on this show and I've had plenty to say about Bray Wyatt, especially more the Fiend run, but that is the performer Bray Wyatt. At the end of the day, this is Wyndham Rotunda, uh, a man who now he's got four young kids that don't have a father anymore. Uh, and this is a guy that is clearly well-beloved in the locker room that people speak glowingly about, about their interactions with. And I've seen some stuff about Bray uh, in terms of his interactions with uh, fans that really kind of help those fans as well. So it's a real tragic loss. I I was in shock when I saw the news come across my timeline. Uh, I saw the Triple H tweet, and I was just blown away. I mean, we kept hearing reports about his eventual return uh, and how he was training and if he had not passed, he was getting close to passing a physical at some point so that he could get into the ring. Um, and now we've kind of learned today a little bit more from TMZ uh, uh, about uh, uh, his passing as well. Um, just incredibly tragic and something that uh, really took a lot of people aback, certainly did for me. Still a young guy, 36. And uh, it, it just incredibly tragic on a 
week where we already had lost one of the greatest of all time in Terry Funk, losing such a young performer that was again was able to push the creative boundaries in WWE uh, was a, a huge merchandise uh, draw for them as well, and uh, was able to cultivate his own fan base with his with his gimmicks. But again, at the end of it all, this is a this is a man that uh, now has there's four young kids that don't have their dad and a and Wyndham Rotunda is a guy that uh, people will absolutely miss in the locker room and people will miss chatting with and interacting with. So just an incredibly tragic death in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, and boy, when we talk about the wrestling part of it and then we talk about the human part of it, right? And it's really difficult, I think, early to get past the human part of it with with four young kids at home and and to be able to with 36 years old to not have their father for the rest of their lives is just it, it's incredibly tragic and you know to to even then go on to talk about the character and and mm-hmm. all that stuff seems so secondary to what else is going on and that's a real difficult thing i think to get past for a lot of people so to be able to to do that and and continue on i mean i mean my favorite part of bray was at the at the very beginning of the wyatt family because it was so new it was so different unique and i always loved in wrestling when you're a heel and you're doing you're allowed to do heel things and the crowd appreciates the uniqueness of the character so much that they get behind it mm-hmm. and that's what happened right like when his music started playing and sitting in the rocking chair and follow the buzzards and the lights off and the cell phones on it was a spectacle and was he the greatest wrestler in the world? No, but he knew that. And he knew that his gift was to be able to create. And I love that. I love the, the part of it. And to be able to, and I know it's gone around a lot. And I know Renee Paquette uh, did a little bit about it on the all-in zero hour. Uh, and there are a lot of, different people this is circulated a ton but i do think it's worth reading the words of Wyndham rotunda because of the fact i think it's what well i won't speak for you or anybody else but it is a lot of what i love about wrestling when he writes wrestling is not a love story it's a fairy tale for masochists a comedy for people who criticize punchlines, a fantasy most can't understand, a spectacle no one can deny. Lines are blurred, heroes are villains, budgets are cut, business is business. But it can also be a land where dead men walk, where honor makes you elite, where demons run for office, and rock bottom is a reason to rejoice. Woo, it's an escape. A reason to point the blame at anyone but yourself for two to three hours an excuse to be a kid again and nothing matters except the moment we are in 
Wrestling's not a love story. It's much more, it's hope. And in a world surrounded in hate, greed, and violence, a world where closure may never come, we all know a place that has hot and cold hope on top, on tap, for better or for worse. There's so much of that that rings true for me as a fan of the business for such a long time. And I thought it was important. Those were his words. Mm-hmm. And I think sums up a lot of, at least Zach, what I feel about the business. Fair. Yeah. I, uh, there, there are definitely a lot, there is a lot in there that I agree with. Um, and I think it kind of, you just kind of, as you sort of spoke, it, it really kind of helps you understand more just how Bray Wyatt viewed professional wrestling when it comes to, uh, his vision for, for how he views the business. And obviously coming from a wrestling family, uh, father being, uh, irs and so yeah it's i i think that is really encompasses as well just kind of looking into the mindset of how brave you to pro wrestling as well uh and how he wanted to again try and push the creative boundaries of, of what could be presented in, in the wrestling business so just uh just incredibly tragic always welcome your thoughts too on the socials where you can contact us for sagely at gmail.com about Bray Wyatt and some of the things that he was able to accomplish in the business at just 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. Amaz- and I think even more tragic, look, we're going to talk about all in and the pay-per-view that was when we get back to, to the world of professional wrestling and sort of escape real life, like he was talking about, but in there, Yesterday, Zach, we watched a 63-year-old, a 59-year-old, and a 58-year-old. Is that, I'm trying to think, Sting? Yep. Billy Gunn? Yep. Uh, who am I missing that's older than... I know Jericho is in his oh, mid-50s, but not... Yeah. Uh... Jericho's 53. Yeah. Anyway, just, and you think about all of those people performing at a very high level in front of 81,000 people, and you think Bray Wyatt was 36 years old. Right. It's crazy. Right? And, and then that, I think, puts a little bit into perspective to me how much was left for Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the card. All in. And I guess we have to start, Zach, with the pre-show. Because we have new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. 1-0 for the good guys, Zach. MJF, Adam Cole, and Lever Sage. <laughs> Beat Aussie Open for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles on the pre-show. You're a little bit surprised, aren't you? I was. I thought this would be more of a tease to try and build up some heat for the main event. Uh, but instead, they decided to go with the tag team route, uh, giving them the championship belts. I was actually kind of surprised they did the kangaroo kick spot uh, in, th- in this Are match. You? Are you? I-, I thought they would do it again in the main event, and I would have really had a fun time after that. But... 
Uh, but they kept this on the pre-show. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of how Ozzy Open was treated here, uh, especially with how talented this team is. I understand this is the bigger program and MJF Adam Cole, but I, I just they could have been treated much more seriously. Um, but uh, MJF Adam Cole, they win the tag team championships. I thought that was uh, I was I was surprised about that. I thought for sure that there would be some sort of angle that would be the big tease to kind of get some last minute buys into the pay-per-view. But instead it was kind of a nice feel good moment for the fans of AEW uh, watching the pre-show. So uh, this match itself wasn't anything special kind of going back and watching it. Uh, It had its, the crowd was certainly invested in it. And and if you were just watching this from the get go, uh, you would feel the energy right away what the first thing you see is the the people coming into the building and and the energy starting to build for this 80,000 seat show um but uh in terms of my tastes uh there are elements i liked elements i didn't like uh which uh kind of teases how i view the main events uh which we'll get to later but yeah don't, uh, don't get into that right now Zach. And I, I would, I would it's disagree. a tease brother it's a tease I, I would disagree with you a little bit when it comes to the fact that I actually think them winning the tag team titles would make me want to watch what's going to happen in the main event more. Like, not just a feel-good moment, but like, hey, I'm more intrigued now than I was previously. But, so they win the tag team titles and will lead into the main event. Also on the pre-show, I don't know if it's more news that Jack Perry lost the FTW championship back to hook or allegedly got into another fight with CM Punk. Zach, I'm not going to, I promise you, there's going to be no yelling. There's actually not going to be a lot of talk of this, I promise. But it is noteworthy, I guess. That the two seemingly, allegedly, whatever, got into a physical altercation. Yeah. Jack Perry and CM Punk, that is. Again, another altercation for them. So what do you make of that? Maybe you can kind of set up how it came about with Jack Perry in his match. Yeah, so during his match with Hook, there was a part of the entrance where there was a car and uh, Perry went into the camera, like smacked the windshield of the car and said, uh, real glass, cry me a river, uh, which uh, alluded to the reports of uh, Perry being upset that he couldn't use uh, glass uh, during a promo he wanted to shoot. Uh, and apparently Punk was one of the people that was kind of uh, talking down the idea. And apparently that led to a confrontation again backstage involving CM Punk. Uh, culminated in some sort of physical altercation it sounds like the agreed upon thing is that uh pug put jack perry in a headlock uh and then finally things kind of got broken up if you ask one side perry started it if you ask the other side punk started it i you know i'm not gonna break this down like who who did what did greedo shoot shoot first sort of analysis here but uh i will say that it's starting to it really is a theme here with punk and i i think i i i wasn't surprised about this to be quite honest it just with all the reports going going on 
that eventually some sort of altercation would happen. This was the same pattern that happened last year, not to in terms of the significance of, of what happened last year, but still a pattern. Uh, you know, Pug just confronting people. And I think as well, and this may not be a popular opinion, but like I very dumb of Jack Perry to try and incite that. Like you've read all the reports going on about, about what's going to piss CM Punk off. Why would you want to poke that bear at the biggest show uh, that the company has ever done? I'm not excusing Punk in this because to quite frankly, Punk needs to let some stuff go and just, you know, stop being so thin skinned about some stuff, but that's been punk for years. I think, but Perry's got to realize that this guy is a ticking time bomb and any sort of slight is going to be perceived as a threat against the guy. And if you're going to do that unprompted, unapproved by uh, management, like it's going to come with some consequences. And so I think punk, I think these, both these guys are on. I'm tired of hearing about punk getting into these confrontations. I want punk to just, you know, maybe take a chill pill here and, and, and not be so focused on trying to maintain this locker room when he himself is becoming the problem here. It's that I think you should leave meme where, uh, the guy crashes into a store in a hot dog cart. He comes out of a hot dog costume and says, we're trying to find the guy who did this crash. That's CM punk right now. And uh, it sounds like both these guys are going to be suspended and both are going to miss all out, which I think is significant in the case of Punk, considering that's, you know, Punk not having a match in Chicago. Um, and in the case of Perry, who it seemed like he was going to move on from his feud with Hook, who won the FTW championship, by the way, he won it back. Um, it seemed like Hook was going to move on to something, or sorry, Jack Perry was going to move on to something else. Uh, but alas, that seems to be uh, on hold. So, uh, Another confrontation, uh, it, it seems like there's going to be a suspension. I've seen some say that maybe a lawsuit, but I've heard that last year as well, where Punk was trying to threaten some legal stuff. So I don't know. I think this is something that we'll have to develop to, for me to really give a full analysis on. But all I can say right now is I am so tired about hearing Punk get into confrontations. I think he's just got to let go of some stuff and not be a, a confrontational prick. But I also don't think Jack Perry should be going out there and inciting that sort of stuff at the biggest show and know who he's dealing with. Uh, I really don't think there's a winner here. And I think and I think Tony Khan needs to do a much better job of of controlling his locker room and not letting things get out of control because that's all I hear the last couple of weeks. And whether whether that's right or wrong, it's just leaking all over the place. Uh, they cannot plug it any of these leaks that are coming to the wrestling media. So I think Tony Khan really needs to look inward and, and, and really address this situation because uh, if he wants to keep Punk around, he's got to do a much better job of trying to maintain it because, again, it's going to blow up in his face. And I still maintain uh, a while back that when Punk was initially coming back, I don't think he was going to last a year. And I still maintain that even uh, with all this, especially with all this happening. I said I wasn't going to talk about it and listening to you. Um, I'm now going to talk about it. Oh boy, here we go. Again, and this look, you took a side, and that's fine. And I I actually agree with some of what you said. Let's just look at this from do we really believe that CM Punk started this? If Jack Perry said that in the middle of his match, is Jack Perry 
is becoming very unlikable and very irrelevant very quickly. And I don't know what he thinks he's doing, but Jack Perry is supposed to be one of the four pillars. And ever since this breakup with Luchasaurus and going out on his own, it has been crash and burn on and off the screen. He sucks at promos. His one-on-one matches aren't very good. He's been put in high-profile situations that have been anything but good. And now he's taking shots at the biggest star in the company. Why? I guess I won't let Punk off the hook either because he can turn a blind eye, but he's also the leader of the locker room. If you're going to slap the leader of the locker room in the face, the leader of the locker room is going to slap you back and say, get in line, get in place, because this is not your show. Tired of Jack Perry? And don't... There is no excuse for a younger member of that roster to go out and take a shot at CM Punk on live television. I don't care who you think you are and who you think, like, what kind of place you have as a pillar in the company. Going out on live television and taking a verbal shot at the biggest star in your company is wrong. And I don't blame CM Punk for like for standing up for himself saying, hey, kid, what the bleep are you doing? What are you doing? And if Jack Perry got mad at that, that's Jack Perry's fault. That's not CM Punk's fault. That is called leadership. And... Yes, does CM Punk have a history? Unfortunately, he does. Does he need to walk a bit of a tighter rope than some others? Yeah, he probably does. But you know what I don't care about? And I know it sounds like I care because of the bass in my voice here. (laughs) But when I'm watching television, I care when CM Punk comes out on my screen. And I don't care when Jack Perry comes out on my screen. So whatever's happening behind the scenes... Yeah, can Punk not get in a fight with every single person that comes along? Yeah, that would be nice. But I don't put any of the blame here on CM Punk whatsoever. That now, I disagree with. I, now, I I can't disagree with that. I, I Sorry, I have to disagree with that. Some of this blame has to go on Punk. I agree with you on the Jack Perry stuff for initiating and whatever, but this is a pattern of Punk escalating things. Like, a leader does not escalate... A, a leader tries to de-escalate, and it seems like every time when Punk tries to confront, it escalates. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, that's, no, no. that's not the so, sign of a good leader. No, but that's not... You're saying every time, like, you've been there and don't know the 10 other times... Well, that's that, what I'm based on the reports that, on. That he's trying... Yeah, I know, but based on reports, you're not there. So you don't know that 10 times before this, CM Punk didn't try and de-escalate and just talked to Jack Perry. So let's, let's assume, like, for one second, that he did try and talk to him numerous times behind the scenes without somebody there de-escalating to what you're talking about. And then Jack Perry goes out on live television at the biggest show they've ever had and takes a shot that everyone knows is directed at CM Punk. You think he should sit there and do nothing? No, I don't. Okay. So he also shouldn't be throwing punches backstage to try and escalate a conversation. Absolutely. But he shouldn't be throwing punches backstage. Every single report, it seems like he's the one that throws the first strike. 
and he'll send out his crew and, and he'll probably get his story out there. It's like, well, it's because of this, this, this. But if you look at the stuff that's been reported, a lot of times he's not denying that he threw a strike first. He's trying to justify his reasons. So I, I'm not disagreeing with you in the case that Jack Perry shouldn't be going out there on TV and he shouldn't be, you know, he should know his place. Like you're on the pre-show for a reason. They, they, they considered you as a pre-show match for a reason. And, and they put Punk on the main card for a reason. And all that to say, like, Punk needs to stop escalating these this stuff because I could take one report of escalation and it's, you know, back and forth, he said, she said. But this is the fifth time I've read something like this about Punk throwing a punch, going all the way back to All Out. Like, I could, I could you know, if it was just All Out, I could leave it up to a he said, she said. But this is a pattern now. And that's not the semblance of a good leader. And there have been other wrestlers that have criticized his leadership abilities in the past in the WWE locker room. And he's clearly not learned how to be a better leader. If he was just there to talk, and if it, we just hear, trust me, we would hear about Jack Perry just being the lone person that would throw strikes. No, we wouldn't. We absolutely would. It's not a story. It's not as big of a story. I think you're missing the point that everyone doesn't matter. It's like big superstars, famous people, Zach. Doesn't big, matter the, how the, the biggest star is not the biggest star from Chicago is not going to be on the Chicago pay per view is because of a fight that he had backstage is not a big story. Of course, it's a big story. This, why the, are why do you think the wrestling news sites are all over it? Famous people, if they're involved, can be involved two percent, and the other person can be involved ninety eight percent. The two percent is going to be talked about. Correct. Fair. Okay, so I, I just. The guy's a magnet, and yep, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how much he's actually doing wrong. If some punk kid is going to take a shot at him on live television in the biggest show they've ever had, and for him not to stand up for it, I actually applaud the guy for standing up for it. Mm -hmm. I really do. And maybe I'm looking at this as a, a one-off and not the pattern. Okay, I, I think that's fair. I think he's been a hothead in the past, but this to me is a punk kid that is failing in his wrestling young career, do, like doing the ultimate no-no and taking a shot where he shouldn't and thinking that like people are going to side with me because it's, again, we're going to blame CM Punk first. CM Punk's a bad guy. He's a hothead temper guy. Mm -hmm. he's always causing the problems and people know this mm -hmm. this is this to me is a jack perry problem and not a cm punk problem i hope like you it doesn't continue to go but i just i i can't tell you how much i've lost some respect for perry in the fact that look you don't need to be the best wrestler or the best promo guy or the best anything. But if you're not, and you're a young guy, could you not just try and learn from, from people above you? From people like, the big thing for, for me is CM Punk doesn't need to improve to maintain his legacy. Jack no. Perry needs to improve a great deal in a number of areas to get better. Does he have potential? Of course he does. But if I said to you or any other wrestling fan, 
do you do you love Jack Perry's promos? Oh God, no. Do you, do you love this? How many five star matches has the kid been in? Like, I think he's is, a better wrestler than giving him credit for, but but he's he's not a main event wrestler yet. No, if, if they want him developed there yet. But he, he's not even the top tier guy because no, he can't carry other guys. No, right? That I agree with. Yes, and, and so you can't put him in the ring and go well. Everything's going to be okay because Jack Perry's in there, and at least he can carry the other guy. And my point is, this is not a total rip job on him, the wrestler, but it's like, if you're not there yet, cool. Work hard. Shut up. Try and learn. Don't get yourself in problems. And try and go out there and have better matches. I look at the other pillars, right? The four pillars. And they're all different. MJF has talent oozing out of him. And it's almost impossible not to get caught up in the talent. Yep. But for as much of a prick as that guy is on television, do you hear massive problems with MJF behind the scenes? Nope. And could you because of the way that he conducts himself on television? Of course you could. You can see that guy getting into thinking he's bigger than he is because he's a world champion in his 20s and he's he's already reached the top. You can see the the limelight going to his head. You don't hear any of that. Darby mm -hmm. Allen. How many bad things you hear about Darby Allen? Uh, not a lot, no. Not, no. Yeah, almost nothing. Sammy Guevara? Okay. We heard, Sammy, we, we heard yeah. some for Sammy, yeah. Yeah, no question. But here's my, here's my point with Sammy. Now, whether he's different and he has made some mistakes along the way here, Lately, it seems like he's, number one, cleaned up his act, and number two, he's shut up and done what the company's told him to do and tried to do it well. Mm -hmm. Now, he's got a lot of room to improve, and I think he made some mistakes early, and now he's on the road to, you know what, I'm, I better learn from my mistakes and get better and be very fortunate that I'm able to still be in some circumstances here. Jack Perry's on the, I haven't learned a damn thing and I'm falling down rather than going back up. This is a Jack Perry problem. You look at the pillars and then you think the worst of the pillars, the guy that's on the downward spiral is now going on television and picking a fight verbally and taking this unnecessary shot at the biggest star in the company. Why? If I'm Tony Khan, I might deal with CM Punk separately. But it's time for Jack Perry to learn. Nobody will miss you when you're when you're suspended for two months because you're acting like a, you know what? Yeah. Because no one will miss you. They might not even know you're gone. CM Punk Samoa Joe opens. <laughs> All in. Crowd very hot. Didn't like Zach the build up for the match. And I, I know Ben and some others are probably right now going, well, you didn't watch Collision and see how great the, the buildup was. Well, no, I did. And I went back and it was just like, when you have this match for the real world title and Samoa Joe's a ring of honor. And look, we were watching it with somebody who's not a big AW fan. They wanted to be invested. They wanted to understand mm -hmm. one of our friends that was there. And it was like, okay, What's the X on the belt? Okay, explaining to him he's the real world. 
So this match is for the real world championship, but why is the other guy coming out with a belt? Is he really, he works for a different company. So is this guy really going to win the title? And it's like, no, just, I'm, I'm telling you that CM Punk's going to win and let's hope they have a good match. And I think they did have a good match. Yeah. I, I really like this match. Uh, I thought it was a great way to open. I mean, it, we watched it obviously not knowing what happened beforehand with the Perry stuff. And so it's kind of funny how that confrontation with Perry happens. He punk goes out, has this match, uh, and it's against a longtime rival in Samoa Joe, uh, go, dating back to the days of Reign of Honor, uh, and then kind of finishes up there. And uh, yeah, this was a this was a real fun match. Uh, I, just two guys. I thought especially Samoa Joe was awesome here. Uh, he totally embraced his role. Uh, I I just loved how he played to the crowd as well, and. Uh, you know, if you're an old school Ring of Honor fan, that finish with a Pepsi plunge from the top, finally being able to beat Joe with it, I think that's a, a great callback. If you're um, an original Ring of Honor fan, um, match itself I thought was great. I thought they played the crowd really well. I thought it built very well as well. Um, yeah, this was this was a very fun opener. I I really liked it. I, this to me, I was getting ready to come on here before the Perry stuff came on. I, you know. I try not to let the social media types get to me, but they do get to me very easily, Lee. Yes, uh, I know. Zach, and, Zach let, let's, let's just stop right there and go, people get to you. Not the social media people, just people. Um, Especially like the I ones said, with bad takes. You, you were very good at your comebacks yesterday, but you are now becoming, and it, it, it makes me so proud, you are now becoming what I used to be. You could wind me up before in like one second. Just say something about the Cowboys or wrestling or like anybody. And I'm like, I, I'm gone. Yeah. See you later. But you know what, Zach? You're becoming that guy. I'm quite proud of you. Yeah. doesn't take a lot to wind up old McGibbon these days. No, I, 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 I've been like that for a while. It's kind of times 10 with pro wrestling. Uh, I, I will say this. I saw some people saying Punk is washed up and Punk cannot go. I look at this with Samoa Joe, another guy who his better years are certainly behind him. I think we could both agree. And these two had a great match to open up the show. So yes. I, I loved it. I, I want more CM Punk on my television screen. I I I know I ranted and raved earlier, but from as a from a viewer, I want to see more CM Punk. He, I'm glued to the television when he's on. I think he is one of the dying breed of wrestlers that is able to utilize psychology and build a match so well uh, in an era where it's a little bit more action in the ring. And I and I, there are definitely times in modern wrestling I do enjoy it, but CM Punk I think brings an old school element to his game, and he knows who he is in the ring. And combining that together to make this package of CM Punk and also Samoa Joe's performance in this, I thought this was a great way to open the show. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, not, not, nothing bad about this at all. And even as you said, the callback to the end of of how it finished off. Maybe you can just tell people too how the match ended. Yeah, the Pepsi plunge, uh, similar to a pedigree, uh, but instead coming from the top rope. That's a move that CM Punk has used going all the way back to the independent scene. And it just goes back to a storyline uh the classic matches he had with Smojo when both those guys were much younger and, and uh, had could put on a 60 minute performance. 
Um, but one of the things was that Punk could never put the Pepsi plunge, could never deliver the Pepsi plunge onto Samoa Joe, dating all the way back to Reign of Honor. Finally, at the biggest stage at eight in front of 80,000 people, CM Punk was finally able to pull off the Pepsi plunge on Samoa Joe and beat him one, two, three. I think for the live crowd, it kind of came as a shock to them because uh, Reign of Honor, let's just be frank, is not something that Reign of Honor storylines would not be something that would translate to a mainstream audience or uh, a, a vast audience, unfortunately. So uh, I think it kind of caught some people by surprise that he won with a Pepsi plunge. But it's one of those, like a nice little uh, ode to the people that have been following along with the story, which I am a-okay with. I am, I am totally cool with the wrestlers catering to their past and and calling from their past to put together a story and the hardcore is liking it. Yeah, it's, and what it's not I, a crime against humanity if that happens. No, what I thought was really cool actually was watching that with, you know, some people who know the Ring of Honor stuff like super deep. And the second that he hit it, all you guys were like, "Yeah, it's over. It's, it's over." over. <laughs> and I'm like, "Really? No, no, it's over." I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like I, I knew that, but I didn't really know it and good for you guys for, you know, having that. And I thought that was awesome. Um, the next match Zach, I did not think was awesome, except for maybe a bit of a surprise ending possibly, but you had. Ibushi, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega going up against Takeshka, Jay White, and Juice Robinson, correct? And the guns. And the guns. Yes. So Jay White and the guns. Jay White, Juice Robinson, Takeshka, and the guns versus the Golden Elite. Uh, Sorry, my bad. I, I am misreading this. Uh, Juice Robinson, Jay White, Kanosuke Takeshita, Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Heyman, Adam Page. The guns uh, accompanied them to ringside. That yes. was uh, my my why I was very confused. I was going to say, uh, the guns are in another match, but that's okay, yeah. Zach. It's been, a, it's been a long day for you. It's been a long weekend. I thought this was long. I thought this was... Look, it was good. It's just that the quality of performer in this match, there were so many great performers. I thought that it was underwhelming for them. Yep. Now, was it underwhelming as a whole? Maybe hard to judge. I think if you, and we had someone there again, really liked the match, but they had never really understood the history and don't know what the, what the people are. But you did have Kenny Omega lose and get pinned by Takeshka in this match. And I also, this will be a very um, popular take, but every single time I watch Jay White, I want more of Jay White. Yes. Uh, I thought this was a very underwhelming match. Yeah, I think I thought it picked up around the finish, and we had a nice little hot finish at the end. I think, and I'll be the one to say it, uh, I, I'm not afraid to say it. I think Ibushi uh, is seeing better days in the ring. Uh, I think he's a guy that uh, you're not going to get the prime 
DDT, New Japan, Kota Ibushi, where he would do these crazy moonsaults to the outside or uh, Frankensteiners, all those crazy moves that he would do uh, in his prime. I think the combination of him, he's, he's, he's older than you would think, Lee. He's uh, 41, I believe. Uh, definitely in his early 40s. Um, and he's a guy that's uh, taken a lot of bumps in his career. He's he's had a, a, a lot of great in-ring work in his career, but it's also kind of taken its toll. I think the combination of that and the injury he suffered against Okada in that G1 final a couple of years ago really took a lot out of him. And I don't think this is the same Ibushi that uh, people will expect to see from, again, the, the 20, mid-2010s. And so I know it was pointed out a couple of times where there were just some things where he just looked slow and sluggish. Um, I think that's going to have to be the new ultimate reality for Kota Bushi at this stage of his career. It happens to a bunch of wrestlers. Uh, Father Time is undefeated uh, when it comes to uh, uh, re retirement and all that. And so uh, I thought Ibushi was uh, noticeably slower. I thought I, I, uh, Adam Page had a great performance. Um, and Jay White, as you mentioned, I was kind of hoping that maybe we would get some sort of tease for a Jay White at a page match in the future. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I thought it started to pick up at the end. I agree with you in terms of the caliber of these talents, uh, and what they could put together. I was expecting a little bit more. Um, I will still stand by that. Kenny Omega should have just been in a singles match for this card. If this is the match that we're going to get, especially, um, but uh, I, I think this was a good way uh, to kind of build up the Kanosuke Takeshita Kenny Omega match, uh, the singles match uh, coming for All Out next week. Uh, so that kind of puts some heat on that so that uh, we could finally get a singles match between Omega and Takeshita at the next pay per view. Okay. Um, yeah, just disappointing, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's how I was left with it. I was disappointed. You know what I was not disappointed in? What were you not disappointed in, Lee? Zach, for a long time, long time, on this podcast, I have said, you know what we need? Could we please, could we please just go back? You have great tag teams in your tag team division. Could we please just have, without the intricate storylines and the the be are they best friends or enemies, which we'll get to. You have some great tag teams. Could we just see the tag teams face off in moments that matter? And FTR and the Young Bucks did exactly that. The AEW World Tag Team Championship, to me, easily the best match of the night. And... For so many reasons, notwithstanding, no tomfoolery, no nothing but great tag team wrestling. It had near falls, moments you thought it was over. And in the end, FTR defeat the Young Bucks and a major pop from all of us watching about how great the match was and how great the ending was. This to me is what tag team wrestling is all about and the best match of the night. FTR, still your AEW World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, this is a tremendous match. Both these teams have really good chemistry with each other. That finish, as you mentioned, was so well done. 
Uh, this was an excellent tag team match. Both these guys came out uh, and really uh, performed uh, in front of 80,000 people. Uh, I, I love this match. Um, I won't go as far to say it's like a match of the year contender for me because I think there are uh, others that kind of supersede this. But I thought in terms of this card, there was a lot of really good matches on this card. Um, but this one, yeah, it's either this or the next match we'll talk about, uh, which I assume will be the next match we'll talk about. Uh, we're right up there for my favorite matches uh, on the show. Uh, if you, This was, as you mentioned, tag team wrestling at its best. Two different styles meshing together and putting together this great performance. The great callback to uh, Cash doing the 450 splash, and that's what cost them uh, their match against uh, the Unbucks that time in the empty arena. Uh, that was a great callback. Uh, just the execution of the moves as well and and just kind of following along. Oh, it, this was a real fun match. Uh, definitely, uh, I if you as you mentioned, if you were to argue this was your favorite match, I would not disagree because uh, this was uh, quite the match. So the only thing, and I agree, I don't know if it was like this match of the year, but not every match has to be match of the year for it to be really good. No. The, this is another match that I'd, I'd welcome people to go and watch to go, hey, this is a lot of what tag team wrestling is. I thought this was the best match of the night, but I will say, and I don't know whether it was, look, screw-ups happen all the time. Sometimes they get caught on camera. Sometimes they don't. Um, it would just probably take a, I don't know if I'd go from like a from a 9.5 to an 8.9 or like a an A plus to an A or whatever it is. But that one spot where and you can remind me I think it was Nick Jackson. Yeah. Anyway, they were they were Dax Harwood was late to break up a pin. And all of a sudden, Nick Jackson's like, oh, my God, he's not going to get here. And he literally pulled Cash Wheeler up. Mm -hmm. And you could see it clear as day. And it was just a screw-up. Now, yeah. look, they're four of the greatest wrestlers in the world. You're doing all that stuff, and 99.9% .9 of it's amazing. But that one got caught real bad on camera. That it was like, oh, what was that? Why did he just do that? Mm -hmm. That's not good. So that's the... I, I I will remember that unfortunately when I think back to this match, but it doesn't kind of supersede the fact that I thought this match was awesome and I'm gonna remember how good it was for a long time. For sure. I, now, I that that spot definitely uh kind of hurt it for me as well. I thought maybe it was gonna transition into something else, uh, but it ended up starting to become clear, yeah, this was a, a screw up. I guess quickly, and you know I, I predicted FTR to win, but um, <laughs> where does it leave FTR and the Young Bucks? I asked you that before on the the preview edition, and we both like, I thought you know, for FTR everyone talked about the you know, the, the cash wheeler uh, charges laid stuff, and that would be the reason why things would happen, but if we just kind of remove all of that and go, where's the tag team division going? Where do you see it going here? Uh, I wish I could give you a better answer, but I really 
don't know. I was so locked in on the Bucks winning that uh, I I'm kind of surprised that the FTR uh, were able to retain. My guess is is that uh, they're starting to uh, we've we've got Proud and Powerful back. I could maybe see them doing an FTR versus Proud and Powerful feud uh, to kind of continue this uh, tag team run. Uh, but that's really the only thing that's kind of sticking out in my mind. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to revisit uh, FTR Young Bucks uh, before the year goes out. Uh, but uh, that that's the really the that's the only thing that kind of comes to mind. Uh, on what could be next for FTR. Let me throw you, and I'm going to kind of lead into the next match. You mentioned Proud and Powerful. But I'm also going to mention, in the last little while, it's been a hell of a run for Best Friends. Mm -hmm. We had Trent win a major triple threat match where a lot of people didn't think that he was going to win a couple of weeks ago. And then he, Orange Cassidy, our best friends, Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Penta win the stadium stampede match over the Blackpool Combat Club. And proud and powerful. What did you think of this match? Did you like it? Yeah, this was, for me, right up there with the tag match uh, because it wasn't as flawlessly executed other than the one uh little mistake there from nick jackson it wasn't as flawlessly executed as the other match but it felt like a gritty fight similar to an anarchy in the arena just obviously in a stadium setting um there was brawls all over the place chaos a lot of stuff in the ring um i i enjoy the violence of this uh, I might be a sicko for saying that, but uh, I thought this was a lot of fun to kind of watch and these guys just brawling all over the place and and having this uh, massive fight. And, and they kept it in the ring quite well. There were a couple of really cool spots in here. I know some might get turned off by the blood, but this is the, the, the stipulation calls for it. That doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um I thought this was a lot of fun to watch. Was it chaotic at times? Yes. Was production at its A game here? No. But uh, I I just loved it from a visual standpoint of seeing these guys fight all over the arena, uh, the stadium, I should say, um, and the different spots that they put in and Orange Cassidy getting the big win, use, uh, tape, putting the tape on the outside, putting the glass on his hand and doing the, the punch. I thought was a incredible spot to, to watch. I really like this match. Uh, this is right up there for me as one of my matches of the night because I just I just enjoyed how it was all put together. Um, and so it's right up there for me with, uh, with uh, the tag match from uh, earlier. Yeah, I thought this was like Orange Cassidy might be one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Well, everything I thought he should have been defending the international championship at this event, but... He was amazing in this as well. The guy is just incredible. Uh, he, he's one of their top performers. Doesn't matter what position you put him in. Best friends have stepped up. Uh, the, the spot with Penta. We'll talk about this here in a minute. Penta takes the skewers from John Moxley and sticks them in John Moxley's head. 
and they stay in John Moxley's head and John Moxley walks around with the skewers is probably the moment the shot of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um and and you're seeing that go kind of everywhere. But I also remember John Moxley sitting in the corner with Eddie Kingston with half of his eyebrow falling off. Yeah. Jeez, oh, um, yeah. And unfortunately, and I'm not trying to be too hard, but I yeah or Ortiz fell off the top rope. Mm-hmm. Um I remember that. And him not being he looked a little bit slow. It looks like they might go with Santana uh as a singles. I don't know if that will happen. But I love this match. Um not quite in the the way that you did, but it was still really good. And I I have to admit, I popped. I popped for Tony Schiavone and I popped for it's Sue. <laughs> uh, Sue, which mom is it? The mom of Trent. Trent. Trent's mom. Drove up. She had some desserts. She had the minivan. And she rolled up with the baking pans. And Tony Schiavone, it's Sue. <laughs> like it's Sting. Like I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, for as chaotic a match, I th- I feel like a couple of them got lost at the top of Wembley. Like Eddie Kingston was gone for a long time, and you're like, where is this guy? Um, and then he finally comes back to the ring. But I guess if you get lost at the top of Wembley, it's a long way down. But for the most part, they did keep it the ring. I thought they kept it together as well as possible. Four stadium stampede that I wasn't necessarily looking forward to. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the new look of the trench coat. Um, all in black, Blackpool Combat Club. Yes, I, I, I thought they looked amazing, uh, which to me is awesome. And I, I thought that this was this is really fun. Who did Orange Cassidy get the pin on again? Uh Cassidy pinned Claudio. Pin Claudio, yeah, that's right. And that can lead to something, I think, as well with Claudio being pinned. Uh, so I just thought they did a lot in this match. Uh, and I really did like it. Um, I think before this was to me a no brainer. This was one of those you need to take a step back and go, okay, I don't care what you think of the storylines or what you think plot lines. Don't overthink this one. This one has been building for a very, very, very long time. And they're not going to ignore the story of poor Soraya coming back in. Soraya, Soraya, whatever it is, it's Soraya, correct? Uh, Soraya, yes. Soraya. Coming in, Paige, famous in the movie, coming back to Wembley, the crowd, her mom comes down with the family. It's like, okay, she's winning. And she didn't deserve to be in this fatal four-way. She did nothing to get in the fatal four-way. I complained about it last week. I'm not going to complain about it again this week, but I thought, for the most part, in a match I didn't really care about, I knew Soraya was going to win. I thought they didn't do a bad job at booking how her and Tony Storm came to blows. Ruby Riot comes down. It it seemed like good storytelling for those two to be against each other. The wrong person won, but I do understand they've been building for this forever, and this was always going to happen. Yes. Yeah, I... Uh... 
I thought the match itself uh, over-delivered. Uh, I kind of came into this with some low expectations. I thought Tony and Hikaru uh, could pull up their end of the deal. Britt is still kind of hot and cold for me when it comes to her in-ring work and Soraya's you know, she hasn't had a lot of singles matches going into this, and now we're going to get some more singles matches. So if there's ever a time for her to step up now uh, would be the time. Uh, the match itself uh, over-delivered. When, when I saw she came out to Queen, a lot of Freddie Mercury tributes, by the way, on this. So I was kind of surprised the amount of Freddie Mercury uh, tributes were on the show. But, uh, yeah, Soraya won. Match over-delivered. There were some good spots in here. Uh, I was I was hoping for Tony Storm, but it makes sense from a story aspect uh, to do it. Uh, sometimes uh, my mindset's like, screw the story. Like if it's if it's a bad story, why should I care about the story? Uh, and I'm not really looking forward to some Soraya singles matches. But as a in a vacuum, if you're just watching the show and you're seeing the hometown girl finally win. Uh, come back and, and win the title in front of 80,000 people in her home country. Yes, uh, that was going to get a big pop. Uh, but this match for uh, on the sheet here, it says 8 minutes 50 seconds. I, I thought this was well done. Uh, exceeded my expectations where this women's match would be. And uh, I guess we'll see how a Soraya uh, title defenses will work and uh, the quality of matches we'll get. Darby Allen and Sting. Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. I didn't think they were going to put over Darby and Sting in this match. I thought as a coffin match, it was time for Swerve um, to come out and be, be the star. But he's another one that I put right beside Jay White. I want to see more of this guy on my television. And I, I think they do a really good job at putting a guy in his 60s in the middle of these massive spots and kind of not making him the focal point where it could all go wrong. They do a really, really good job of protecting Sting. And for what this was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, now, I love, I love Darby. I love Swerve Strickland. And I love Christian Cage. So Sting is an icon. I don't need to see him in the ring. It's not like he's incredible right now, but I do understand his legacy and what he's meant to the business. I had a lot of fun in this match. I, I didn't want this match to end. Um, I would give this one an A if they didn't do two spots where the bat was sticking out of the coffin and the hands were sticking out of the coffin. And then when the match was won, Swerve Strickland's hair was sticking out of the coffin. Yes. Um, yeah. Be so maybe a better camera shot would have uh, helped uh, elevate that finish. I don't need uh, a coffin match. I don't, I don't see the point of it. I don't. like. So then only bad things can happen from it. I think we had that one match where they executed properly with Brody King. Um, but in saying that too many things can go wrong and I don't need, oh my God, the bat sticking out of the coffin. It's not over. Oh my God, his hands are out. But then when they win, his hair is sticking out and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 
And you know what? You, you do this to yourself by booking coffin matches in the first place. That's not on, like, that's just a mistake that happens in the match where you can't foresee that happening. But you do it to yourself by putting yourself in that position. So I would give this like an A. I love this match, except for that part of it. Yeah, this was a this was a another fun match, and that's kind of the theme with a lot of these matches is that they were fun to watch. Um, I uh, what one thing we also have to mention too. Uh, I was not expecting Sting to come out to Metallica Seek and Destroy. No, uh, that was uh, surprising. I did not think uh, 1999 Sting uh, would be uh, the entrance theme for for him at Wembley. But hey, I I will always uh, I will always be happy with Metallica playing as a theme song for a wrestler. Um, I I wouldn't have expected 99, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, th- this match was a lot of fun. Uh, again, I I still enjoy Sting. I I think there's some spots that Sting does that I I think he's still. Uh, the spot that they have him in right now is the tag team with Darby. I still think is a great spot for him. He still gets pops. And to me, he still puts in really good performances and he doesn't over overdo it. He does what his spots are needed to do. Um, and I've had them winning mainly because it was their gimmick match. And I've noticed a trend in AEW where like Hangman does a couple of Texas death matches. That's his sort of match. Sting and Darby, they do the coffin match in AEW. That's sort of their match. Um, and so I've just kind of noticed a trend where they like to have, especially baby faces with their uh, gimmick matches, they like to have them win them. And so I figured that would be something that would just continue here. And you also needed more of a reason for Darby to have some heat going into his uh, match with Luchasaurus for All Out. So uh, all that to say, yeah, this is a lot of fun finish. You know, you had the visual with, with the hair, but that didn't bother me as much. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, this is a lot of fun and uh, another fun match on this card. If I didn't pick FTR and the Bucks to be my favorite match, I was really, I don't know, on edge because I think a lot of us I think if we did a poll of all of the regular listeners here on This Is Wrestling, at least at least the people that we kind of hang out with, there might be others that would disagree with this. But certainly, if you've watched enough of Will Ospreay over the last year or two, to not say he's the best wrestler in the world, would at least take an argument for somebody else to come in and prove that he's not. Now, if he's not, he's certainly in the top three or five and if he's not on your top five, then you're just not, you're an idiot. Um, you're an idiot. And that's fine. I, I, if someone, if Will Ospreay is not in your top five, you're an idiot. And it's just stop listening to the podcast. Go, go away. Wow. It's fine. All right. Uh, no, don't go away. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean, Zach? Like, I, he, yeah, I guess. He, he's incredible. So I was worried that Chris Jericho, at 53 years old, was going to be able to keep up with Will Ospreay and not have this, like, why is this happening? But um, I love this match. Will Ospreay beats Chris Jericho. Of course he was going to beat Chris Jericho, but I thought they did it. They did it awesome. Um, I thought I'd be pumped about Chris Jericho coming out and singing Judas to the crowd. It did not go over as well for me as I (laughs) would have hoped. No, Uh, But I still love Chris Jericho and I still love Judas. And I think he did himself 
like Chris Jericho in another big spot showed up and performed. Yep. And, and you know what? That's why he's one of the leaders of this group too. For sure. I, I, I think he's awesome. Yeah. I, I thought this was a, I thought this was a really fun match. Uh, to me, this was very much an example and I don't want to diminish Jericho here because he did what he needed to do in this match to have a very good match. But there were definitely some moments in here where uh, I felt like Osprey was wrestling around Jericho's limitations at, at some points. Um, and there are a couple of moves with Jericho that didn't land as flawlessly as you would like. Um, but I, I thought this was a real fun match. Uh, Will Osprey, another guy from the area that uh, gets a, a big hometown reaction and uh puts in a really good performance i agree with you will osprey uh i i I think if you have him as low as five in your top five i think you're crazy i think you have to have him in your top three at least to me he's the best wrestler in the world and he continues to prove that with matches like this with jericho um and they had put in another uh excellent performance here and once again the modern day hulk hogan chris jericho uh takes another pinfall loss just uh really racking up those Pitfalls is the modern day uh, Hulk Hogan. So, okay, you uh, keep bringing this up, and I keep not understanding why you keep going after like one person that's saying this on your internet feed or whatever. <laughs> you keeps doing it all the time, but whoever's doing that, you're getting to Zach. So I want to encourage you to keep doing it because <laughs> it's actually gone from annoying to amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't know anybody that's ever compared Chris Jericho to Hulk Hogan except for the person that Zach seems to bring up all the time. And I don't would never put them in the same category. Yeah. But good for you because it's now, again, I was annoyed, but now I think it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> so just just keep it up as much as you possibly can. I, I'm not being petty at all uh, by mentioning uh, Jericho being the modern-day Hulk Hogan where he just loses all of his matches. Because when I think Hulk Hogan... I think of him taking all those pinfall losses and putting talent over. So, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Jericho, once again, taking a loss, the modern-day Hulk Hogan. But I thought this was really good. Yes. And then um, I don't know how much I needed, uh, but we got Jericho pushing away Sammy Guevara at the end. What does that mean for Guevara, who is out there supporting his friend when Jericho has no friends? Um, do we think Jericho actually joins the family at some point, or is he going to go on a run? Is, is Guevara going to turn heel? And this feels like to me that he's going to, that Jericho is going to join the family and you're going to get like a baby faced Sammy Guevara against them. But I don't know how this is going to turn out, which is what we like. Yeah. I'm interested to see where they go. I think they got to eventually do that big singles program with Jericho and Sammy Guevara at some point and take Guevara to that next level. I think they've kind of held off on it uh, quite a while. Um, to me, with Guevara, like it's now or never if you want to take him to that next level. And I think a uh, feud with Hold Jericho. On. Why is it now or never? Uh, because it's it's been so long and there's been other stuff with him. Like To me, if you... It, it should have happened earlier if if you were really keen on pushing him to that next level. And I think he's a good in-ring performer, but even then, like, I, I'm not big on a babyface Guevara run, but to me, it's now or never uh, with, with him because, he, again, he's another guy that's older than you would think he is. I think he's 31. Um, a lot of people think he's in his mid-20s. But uh, 
I think you got to start making, start pushing him into that next, like for all we've, we've kind of crapped on Jack Perry, at least they've tried to take him to that next level. Right. I think that's fair to say, and he's not doing well at it, but they are putting that push in. I haven't really seen that with Guevara. And that's why I've just been so low on him because I don't think he can get to that next level. Um, if we're going to continue with this pillars thing. And so I think at this point, you got to do a Jericho Guevara matchup before the year is out okay. uh, to, to do that program. Uh, Cause I, I think uh, time is running out for me anyway, on uh, Guevara being a main event guy. And it was already pretty slim to begin with. Okay. Uh, Q, Pew. Uh. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, I thought the best uh, entrance, the best look, the best group coming out, House of Black looked incredible to me coming out of AEW all in. I thought they they came in as a team. They looked, they had new white outfits on. I thought they looked incredible. Um, they end up losing the trio championship to badass Billy Gunn and the acclaimed. This feels like they, uh, this is what I, I don't like, oh, we got to put them over because there's 81,000 people and everyone wants to do a scissor me daddy. I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't need it. Um, actually I always love house of black matches. I love this one as well. But I don't need the acclaimed and Billy Gunn being your trios champions. But they beat them, and it was a decent match. And House of Black did hand the belts to them with a show of respect, which I like. So, in saying that, I was ready for this one to be over before it started. <laughs> you you were not invested in the one Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn, Mister Ass Billy Gunn, smoking gun Billy Gunn. Zach, every gun you name lets us not get to the main event sooner. Billy and Chuck, Billy Gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Monty Sop, Billy Gun. Uh, Kip Sop, Billy Gun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually thought uh, for all that I, I, as you saw, Lee, while I was there, I was, I was losing my mind for uh, Billy Gun uh, winning uh, a belt in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, but I thought the actual belt match itself was actually one of the weaker ones on the card for me. Um, like it was good. And, and on this card, it was good. Uh, and so, uh, but in comparison to everything else, I thought it was weaker. Uh, I thought I, I, like you, I thought the look and the entrance that uh, house of black came out to, and, and a little bit of an ode to the fireflies as well. Yeah. Uh, with it all going dark. I thought that was pretty cool, but, um, yeah, I uh, I thought the match, uh, if you put this on collision for me, it would have had the same effect, to be honest. Um, but uh, we're, we're, we finally get uh, Billy Gunn uh, a title in, uh, in the year of our Lord 2023. So uh, hats off uh, to the acclaimed and uh, daddy ass Billy Gunn. Okay, not a lot to say from either of us, and that is totally, totally fine. Uh, yeah. Let's get to the main event. MJF and Adam Cole. All right, Zach, MJF retains after Adam Cole could not use 
the world title that was thrown in by Roderick Strong. We saw a number of times throughout the match, both guys not able to use the diamond ring, the tombstone pile driver, the championship belt. Each guy took turns at not being able to do something to their friend. And in the end, when Adam Cole could not use the world title and was mad at Roderick Strong, he ends up getting schoolboyed and MJF is still your AEW world champion. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts about this match first before I uh, give my thoughts. Okay. Um, I was really looking forward to this match. I thought they had done a pretty good job at the lead up. A lot of storyline for sure. Um, I don't care to hear your pre-tapes again and all the different (laughs) things. I think they did a hell of a job at setting up this match to make it seem more interesting than just these two guys fighting. But they really dug into it. And um, I thought it was a little bit too theatrical. I thought they did a good job in the middle of the match. Uh, I didn't like the the double pin after they both went for the clothesline and suddenly it's the fastest count in the history of Earl Hebner pro wrestling. (laughs) And there's a three count like out of nowhere. Um, When have you ever, ever seen either of those guys with an arm draped over them in the middle of the match, lose a match ever. And now we're supposed to believe that both of them did. Oh, Panama sunrise. Um, like doesn't matter what movie hit you can't get them double clothesline arms laying on okay it's all it's over we got a draw um so i didn't like that part of the match and then quite frankly at the end i thought it was just a little bit uh underwhelming uh that's how i and i saw a lot of praise for this match online afterwards i don't have as much praise i didn't think it was very good um i didn't think I thought it was too theatrical. It was not serious for a long time in the lead up to it. And I'm okay with that. If they get super serious when you're wrestling for a world title in the main event of the biggest show in wrestling history. And they didn't do that. So that disappointed me. And I don't walk away. I came into this thinking this to me is probably going, I said before, and you were there that I think Mm -hmm. FTR and the young bucks is going to be the best match but I'm waiting to see if the main event can outdo it just in the spot that they're in biggest spot for both guys. And I think they're going to come to the party and maybe put on a show that we're going to be talking about for a long time. And I'm quite disappointed that that didn't happen. Was it okay? Sure. It wasn't horrible, but I thought it was too theatrical and it did not get to where both guys I think are capable of being. I go back to MJF's matches with, uh, with Brian Danielson uh, in the Iron Man Challenge, um, some of the other, and why am I escaping some of the other main um, events? That well, not oh. a main event, I should say, but uh, yes, yeah, but some of the other matches that you're like MJF every time rises to the occasion. I think he did in this match, but both guys left me wanting more, and I don't want to feel that in the main event of a world title match of the biggest show in history. Mm-hmm. That's your job, your main eventers. Um, I was really happy to see that the AEW World Championship was the last match on the card because I think that world title deserves that spot. 
uh, and I'm tired of it. And uh, you've heard me say that I don't like it in the middle of the card. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it was back on top. They they corrected that. The match was underwhelming and too theatrical for me. I didn't love it. Theatrical. Would you would you use the word cinematic at all uh, in this? Cinematic? No. No. Over Definitely the top, theatrical. Over the top silly. Yeah. Is what is more how I would describe it. Uh, I didn't like this, Lee. I, uh, I wasn't a fan of this match. They really lost me when MJF was going to do the tombstone on the announce table. And MJF said, no, 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 I can't do that to my friend. I can't do that. And puts him down and has to think it over. And oh, they lost me with that. I, uh, this was reminiscent to me of the overly dramatic later years NXT main events, which funny enough, Adam Cole was in some of those. Uh, and I don't know, like, I don't, this, this style is not why I got, why I really love AEW, if that makes any sense. This felt say, very, say, Zach, before you sort of interrupt, you can say it. This main event was very WWE. I was just going to say, yeah, this was a very WWE main events with, uh, swerves and stories and characters and, uh, I, this was not why I got into AEW. Uh, I, I, this did not feel like there were definitely moments where I felt like I was transported to a WWE show. And the reason why I'm critical of that is because AEW was built up as this alternative. It was all the things that WWE refused to do that people would criticize WWE for. Well, AEW would not do the bad things that WWE would do. Instead, they would present their own brand of wrestling. And if you look at the history of pro wrestling, whenever there's any sort of mimicry of WWE from the competition, they usually get slaughtered. And so you look to TNA, WCW when they brought in Russo. If you want to be a solid number two in the wrestling industry, you have to be a true alternative. So I do not agree with the idea that a little bits of sports entertainment is okay. I think that none of that should happen to the alternative because once that stuff starts to get over and we've seen it in wrestling, they start to build a little bit more. And then uh, all of a sudden it becomes from one segment to a match. Then it becomes a couple more matches. I've seen this pattern happen one too many times and I'm concerned it's a pattern that's going to happen here in AEW. And that's because of the people that have been brought in behind the scenes. Uh, A lot of former WWE types that think that way. Not a lot of Tony Khan vision from the AEW main event. I thought, and also too, like, I'm just not into all these friends. Like, they can't let their friendship get in the way. Like, could you imagine that in football? Like, we're watching the Cowboys and the Eagles. They got two guys, a wide receiver and a a defensive back, their best friends. And so they're not going to go hundred percent because they want their, their buddy to have that one touchdown or, Oh, they want their buddy to have an interception. This stuff just doesn't land for me. Pro wrestling. That's just not like I want, I went back and watched Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler, the empty arena match. And to think that in this modern day with the way that things are going, that 
if that were to happen today, it would instead maybe be Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler partnering up and becoming best friends uh, sickens me. Uh, this match for me was very WWE, and that's not what I sought when I started getting into AEW. I will atone to the fact that, yes, the crowd was into it, and yes, those are the quarter hours that they're on are over and all of that jazz. But for my personal taste, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't like this. I thought this went on way too long. I thought they went overkill with some of the booking here. It saddens me what they're doing with Roderick Strong and that neck brace. It just, this story is just not for me. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say the company's going to die or anything like that. That's crazy talk. That's silly. But there, I do have concerns as AEW grows as a company and they look to expand and they want to get a new TV deal. But they start to take on the stuff from the other company that made them a billion-dollar company uh, and it gets incorporated into AEW. So all that to say, this main event I thought was overkill. Not what I signed up for. I thought as soon as MJF got out of delivery that tombstone, I was out. I could not care what else happened, whether it be the Eddie Guerrero spot where they threw the chair back and forth, whether it be the uh, in-ring promos that were being cut during the match. It's just not how I view pro wrestling, uh, especially for the alternative. I yep. will obviously give WWE the pass because that's their brand. They must have many years of established success with what they do, and I will not criticize WWE for it because they made that style. I do not expect that from the alternative. New Japan, when they had their big boom in the 2010s, and they had guys that, you know, people now know the names of Okada and Tanahashi and Naito. They did not do it because they did sports entertainment. They did it because they did their own style and they presented themselves as the alternative to the point where people in the States wanted to seek out their shows and try and view something different. And AEW was built on that. And so... Maybe at the end of this all, I'm just overreacting. I'm not ruling that out, but I've seen this pattern before, Lee, and my antennas are going off, and I'm concerned where this is going. That's all I will say. I did not like this match one bit. Okay, I think a lot of that is fair. I just, I think it's okay that they don't have to be the anti-WWE to be successful. That's the only thing I would say to you right now, is that just because they've done a lot of things that have not been like like WWE, they don't have to do everything exactly the opposite. They don't have to do that, Zach. Mm -hmm. Now, in saying that, um, this became this bordered on silly, and you're right that I don't I don't expect silly out of out of this company. And I don't want silly. I just, I, I simply don't want silly out of this company. And if that's what they want to do, they're going to lose me as somebody who doesn't watches your product because it's not silly for the most part. Now you're always going to get like, I, we didn't even talk about it really, but I gave them a bit of a pass because um, I forget who it was. Somebody paid them a lot of money to do that Texas Chainsaw Massacre match on Dynamite, yes. which was which was absolutely horrific. Awful. But but 
when you read that I don't know whether it was the movie brand or somebody else, but somebody paid them like six figures to do that one match. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't care that I didn't like it now at this point, because if somebody's going to pay you six figures to do one match, guess what? You're going to then do the match. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, I, I don't watch this company. I think they've run with a storyline that the the fans end up getting behind and they've de- they've simply run with that. Um I I do expect it to hopefully come to an end soon. Whether it will or not, I guess is another question. I don't think this thing is ending anytime soon. I think this is going to go on a while. Uh it's it's and here's uh something that's uh might uh throw up some antennas. This is very similar to the bloodline in a lot of ways with how this story is being built and uh, the ramifications of friendship on the line here and, and cutting promos in the middle of the ring. And why would you cut off something where, as I mentioned before, television ratings look good, crowds are invested, merchandise is selling. Why would you want to cut off a good thing, Lee? Uh, and it appears to me that there is still more story to be told. So uh, get excited. Yeah. I do. I do agree with that. Underwhelming main events. What would you grade the show? We got to go here quickly. And I know we got to get to all out here before we go. So yeah. um, I, I, again, I came into this show thinking that the built sucked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still stand behind that. I don't think they did a very good job at building it anyway. And the people that, because we're with some people that they're, they're true AEW fans. And that's great. I, I, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and But those are the people that don't care. They don't need a build because no matter what they see, they're going to like it because they, they love all the people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but you can't expect me to just do that all the time and think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the pay-per-view was, was good. Because I thought a lot of people worked hard. Uh, the matches were fairly entertaining. And I thought it was a good pay-per-view. The build sucked sucked for it. And when the build sucks, it's hard for me to put it over as like, a, I'm supposed to ignore everything you did and then pay my money and then like the show. Because I already like the people involved in the show. Not because of a lot of what you did to build the show. Um I think they tried hard to build the main event. I think it didn't work. And the rest of it was really just, you like the guys and girls that were on. So you liked the show. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how that goes. Yeah. I re- I quite like this show. Uh, main event aside, I thought the quality up and down uh, at worst was decent. Again, aside for the main event. And at best you had a, a great match, two great matches in my mind. Um, I thought this was a really fun show. I thought the crowd was 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 hot for it, and uh, I I thought that uh, the the common theme, and we were we kind of mentioned this word a lot uh, over the show, was fun. Like it was just a fun wrestling show, um, and uh, I had a good time with it. I know some are going to love the main event, and that might take it over the top for some where they absolutely enjoyed this. But uh, I I thought this was a very good show, and. You know, we, we criticized the build going in, and I still think they could have done it better. I still think they could have gotten a better card even. Um, but for what we got here, I think 
in some matches kind of exceeded expectations. Um, and uh, again, environment, atmosphere, uh, big fight feel for a lot of matches, uh, this big uh, stadium show, and just be able to watch a promotion not named WWE be able to sell out uh, 80,000 tickets, over 80,000 tickets is so good for pro wrestling. And uh, it was a, a nice visual to see. And uh, interesting that they're coming back next year. They're going to do the exact same plan they're doing this year with uh, all in one week and then all out the next. Um, that's going to be an interesting strategy to see how they pull it off. Um, but for right now, I thought this was a very good show that uh, if people wanted to go back and watch it, I think they'd have a real fun time with this. So weirdly enough, I think because of the timing of it, right? All out next week mm -hmm. coming coming up. So what do we know about the card, Zach? Well, as of this recordingly, we have five matches announced. Uh, I'll just kind of run through them here. Luchasaurus with Christian Cage versus Darby Allen for the AEW TNT Championship. Uh, Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs in a singles match. Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho in a singles match for the AEW TBS Championship. And uh, this one's interesting. Whoever wins their match between each other, Orange Cassidy, Penta, El Zero Miedo on Dynamite, will face off against John Moxley and defend the International Championship. And then we've got Kenny Omega versus Konosuke Takeshita. So five singles matches announced, which I believe is already more than the uh, more singles matches than we had the entirety of the card yesterday. Okay. What sticks out there to you? To be like, okay, I I probably need to I probably need to see this. Uh two matches for me. Uh Orange Cassie versus John Moxley. I think just because of two very different wrestlers uh that could put together a really fun match. John Moxley, more of the hardcore style, deathmatch style. Orange Cassidy, uh, when he turns on, boy, he's uh we were kind of talking about it yesterday. A bunch of the guys, uh, probably the best champion in wrestling. I think uh, those two together in a singles match, presuming that Cassidy beats Pensa on Wednesday, which I think is what will happen. Uh, I think that could be a really fun match. And then just because it's Kenny Omega in a singles match, like I always think that's going to be must see, especially against a guy like Takeshita, who has really shown that he can go in the ring for an American audience and get over. Having Don Callis absolutely helps with that, of course. Um, I think those two in a singles match could have a really, really fun match. That could be the match of the night uh, with everything uh, going their way. So those are the two matches for me that really kind of stick out of uh, the matches announced so far. Yeah, I'm interested to see because remember, it was Penta that grabbed the skewers and put them in John Moxley's head. Um, could we possibly see those two wrestle for the international championship because we're going to have a new international champion on Wednesday. I think it's possible for sure. Um, with what I kind of, what I saw from what they did there. Um, yeah. I mean, the card's underwhelming, but we don't know as much. Do we think there'll be a world title match? Yeah, we were kind of, had a, a quick chat about this uh, off air before we started recording. I think we will. I, I, I feel like it'd be weird if the world title isn't defended, especially now if we take the real world championship not being defended because of the suspension to punk as we're recording. That's what we're presuming. 
I think you would have to find a way to get a world title match on there. Um, I it wouldn't shock me if they decided to do uh, Cole and MJF, but they add a third person, maybe Roddy, in there to kind of change things up for the world title. Uh, that could be something I could see them doing uh, to kind of build off of All In. Um, but I feel like you would have to have the title defended on the pay per view. I feel like that's a a must. Yeah, my only issue is that because you have not set that match up yet, is there any chance that the other person wins mm. on something that you haven't even set up and you won't have a chance to set up until at least four days before the event? Mm. That would be my my somewhat issue on that. Um, but you're right. Can you have a pay-per-view with the world title being... Uh, do you throw... I don't know. Do you throw Roddy in there and maybe he gets the shot? I don't know. MJF's mad enough ruining the friendship that fine, I'll give you a shot. And I, I don't know how that how that goes. But um good for them for getting 81,000 and good for them for announcing it from before. Uh had a major conversation afterwards with Le Champion. Again, again, putting his championship on the line by getting into this discussion with me uh, <laughs> about that, you know, he thinks that Tony Khan's gone too fast and that Tony Khan's regressing and they're never going to get 80,000 people again. And this was their shot and they blew it and all this stuff. And I'm like, so you're telling me that they announced a match or they announced a card and they never announced matches till like two weeks and one week before and they drew 81,000 people. But now you have a year to sell the card and you, you can't do that again mm-hmm. like you better be able to do that again but the proof's going to be in the pudding because he's got a year tony Khan to be able to do it the fact that they even did it it should be something it's, that is amazing it's amazing and like let's let's put it into perspective here this company started 2019 and in four years in the debut of a new market they were able to fill out wembley stadium eighty-one thousand paid by the way they didn't even put the total attendance, they didn't do the ushers or, you know, the, the one guy at catering backstage. The paid attendance, 81000 I think that's something to be commended for. If they come back to Wembley, and, and, and maybe Le Champion's right, that maybe they don't ever reach 80000 again. But if they come back and they do 65000 or something like that, I don't think that's anything to scoff at at all. Uh, I, I think that's an accomplishment in of itself to be able to go no. to that market and sell it all those tickets. And look, I, I don't know if they're going to get 80,000 again, but my guess, like if I had to bet right now, my, my bet says yes, because you can still book some, some local big stars and you can tell stories and you can give people a chance. Hey, you want to go to Wembley stadium? You want to book it? You want to make a weekend out of the biggest show like WrestleMania and people go to WrestleMania every year? Well, now you got a year to figure out your your plans. If you wanted to go to All In and you didn't live in near the UK, you weren't going. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just too big of an ask when this thing was, like, announced and you're like, okay, I don't really have time to put this together, but now i got a year to put it together, my travel plans. I love this company. I want to go see it. I'm still going to get to see the punks and the Ospreys and the Omegas and the Bucks and FTR and like, you name it, I'm going to go get to see it. So I don't know. Like, yeah. Could they have done better? Sure. But I, I think they get 80,000 again. I really do. 
Now they're gonna have to put more work into it. But yeah, that's okay. So they're gonna have to put more work into it. Good. I hope they do. Yep. Again, like we said on the show, this could be something where this is their WrestleMania pinnacle event, where uh, they this is the go-to show that uh, defines AEW. Again, similar to WWE's WrestleMania and eight uh, and New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, that could be your go-to. Impact tried to do that for Bound for Glory for many years. Uh, Ring of Honor tried to do that for their WrestleMania show that all of a sudden uh, escapes me in terms of the name. Supercard of Honor. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this could be it. This could be the pinnacle annual event that everybody wants to go tune in and see. And it sounds like the pay-per-view buys for all that we've kind of criticized AEW for for their build. It sounds like based on uh, early pay-per-view estimates, it might be, it will not beat the Punk debut on All Out uh, a couple of years ago, but it's getting close to like second or third. That's uh, something not to scoff at. So uh, there's a lot to like. Look, I, I ripped into that main event as it should have been ripped into. But in terms of the health of the company, like you cannot argue with the health of the company right now. Like, it, especially once they announce that new TV deal renewal, which is going to happen. Um, even, even if it's not with Turner, which it will be with Turner, but even not with Turner, I h- highly doubt that there's no other television station that would pick up AEW at this point. So uh, it's a very successful, healthy number two. And I think that's something to be proud of in this industry where we haven't had a number two since WCW died. And, you know, TNA tried, but never was able to cement itself in that position. And uh, now we've got a solid number two in uh, AEW. A solid number two. Well, Zach, speaking of two, (laughs) 200. Yes. Next time when This Is Wrestling comes on the air. And again, you've had some people that have left some voicemails. Uh, I want you to give that option again to see if it's possible. Uh, Next show is... 200 for this is wrestling that's right uh yeah send in those voicemails it's been fun to listen to them uh be as creative as you want to be you just have to stick with that one minute time limit uh but uh, please try and get those voicemails in if you want to get uh, featured to the special intro for episode 200 please get those intros in before the all-out pay-per-view sunday that way it gives me time to edit them all together uh and put it into the intro um, so before the AEW All Out pay-per-view on Sunday, so Sunday at 7 is what I will uh, mark the time as. Please send in the promo. I will share around the link at TIW underscore audio on the social media. I will also put a link to it uh, in the description of, of this episode as well if you wanted to put in a voicemail message. Uh, again, we've already had a couple of funny ones. Uh, JD Rob sent in one. And uh, let's say uh, let's say he put me over pretty well. Let's just say that. Uh, I quite enjoyed that uh, promo. Um, well, that's, um, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we all know, Zach, that MJF really isn't Adam Cole's friend. It would be <laughs> the same thing as JD putting you over, okay? If, if it's any consolation, Lee, there was a, uh, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but there was a wrestler, a local wrestler, uh, that cut a promo and uh, buried me in the promo. So, uh, so a professional. Yes. Got it right, and and, a, <laughs> and one of the hacks, well, they they didn't quite get it right. Okay, good. That guy, that guy's on your side. Amazing. You should brag about that more. Uh, again, where can people do it? 
Uh, I'll have a link in the uh, podcast description. Uh, if it's for whatever reason you can't find it, you can also find us on, us on our social media at TIW underscore audio. I will share the link around there as well. Uh, and you can also go to our main page on uh, Spotify podcasters and there'll be a little button that says send voice message. Um, and uh, you can send your voicemail there. Again, it will limit you to one minute, so make it count. Uh, it's very similar to when the WWF would give the broom to a new interviewer and say, try and sell me this broom. That's what we're trying to do with these uh, voicemails. Um, and uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, uh, your voicemails and putting it all together for the intro for episode 200 next week, which is uh, really crazy to think about. It really is, but it's been uh, awesome to try and get there, and we've incredibly, we've made it, and again, this has been a fantastic edition of This Is Wrestling, so for Zach McGiven and Lever Sage, thanks again for listening to Epi 199 of This Is Wrestling.